Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I'm your guest, Stacey Francis, and today we're going to be talking about a topic that's been all over the news, and that is the modern family and divorce. Just recently on August 1st, we saw that Emmett Smith is divorcing his wife of 20 years, Pat Smith. They share five children, two of each have come from a previous marriage. Divorce is complicated, but children from previous marriages makes it even more complex. Or What about Mary Kay Olson? She's divorcing her husband, Oliver Sorsky, who she's been with now for five years. And during this time, she's been stepmom to his wonderful children. What does that mean for her? Well, our guests today, Janice Cowie and Crystal Levy, are going to give us an insight into the tax considerations and estate planning needs that modern families need to know about especially if you're thinking about or going through the divorce process. So let me tell you a little bit about our two guests today. So Janice Cowie, she's a tax partner at Markham LLP. It's a full service accounting firm. It's actually one of the largest, so I'm sure you've heard of it before. She specializes in estate, gift, and income tax planning for her clients. And she also works with many same-sex couples as well as unmarried couples and families. Again, part of the modern family that we have today. Crystal Levy is a senior associate at the law firm Lasser & Cowie. She focuses on creating thoughtful estate plans for these modern and emerging families, as well as high net worth households. Together, the two of them are a remarkable duo. And make sure that you stay to the end, because at the end, they share how you can plan for not only yourself in your divorce, but also how you can make sure that your kids and stepkids are protected. So thank you for tuning in. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome our special guests, Janice Cowie and Crystal Levy. So welcome to Financially Ever After. Today we have two wonderful guests and both Janice and Crystal are here. They're going to be talking about the modern family and both from an estate planning perspective, but also from an income tax perspective. But I'm always curious to get a better understanding about why you do the work that you do. I know I never really dreamed of becoming a divorce financial planner when I was a little girl. And very rarely do you find other people that dream of what they're doing now. But Crystal, I'd love to hear from you. How did you get into trust and estate work? Have you always been in this field your, your whole career? Sure. You know, I'd love to uh, also say that I always dreamt of being an attorney, but, you know, when I was younger and in college, I was one of those people that, you know, didn't quite have it figured out. But I was always drawn to the legal side of things. And luckily, I ended up getting in the field of trust and estates relatively early. I was actually a paralegal for about 10 years before I became an attorney. So I was always doing trust and estates work. And it was always something I sort of gravitated towards. But the more that I 
worked in the trust and estates area, the more I dealt with families and family dynamics and each person's particular situation. And one of the things that I love in this area is that each person's situation is different. One client is never the same as the next. I don't think we've ever drafted the same will exactly the same twice. It's always a challenge, but it's a fun challenge to have. And it's something that I really enjoy doing. And just on the, um, the whole aspect from my personal side is, you know, I grew up in a family of divorce. You know, I was actually, you know, modern family or a blended family, and I didn't know it. My parents divorced when I was very young. I had a stepmom. I had, I have three half siblings and, you know, made for a very interesting childhood. And I didn't know that that was going to be the new normal. And Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy working with families that have the same situation as far as how do we treat these family members? You know, they've become like my real brothers and sisters, or, you know, I want to make sure everyone's treated equally. And so um, I really sympathize with those types of relationships can really relate to it. So it's always been something that I gravitated towards. And it makes a lot of sense too, because estate planning is such a personal type of law. I mean, you, you're exactly. not getting any closer or no more than anyone than you've been estate planning. And Definitely. Janice, how about for you? So you're a tax partner at Markham. Have you always been in the area of tax? And for me, I love taxes because I love the numbers and I love the idea of planning to save money. I mean, I don't know if it's the coupon clipper coming out, but tell me a little bit about how you found yourself in tax. I agree. And I love everything about numbers. I love taxes. I love numbers. But also growing up as a little girl, I always wanted to be a lawyer. That was my focus. Since the day I could speak, I wanted to be a lawyer. And I was headlong into heading straight for law school. Then I got to college and they told me, major in something you like, because there's no prerequisite for law school pick the next four years to enjoy a topic. So I picked math. And then that led me to an accounting class. And then I found my real love, accounting. I actually graduated. I did go to law school. I graduated. I worked for a large firm for a year. And I realized my calling was really in accounting firms. And I've worked for accounting firms ever since, where I feel I can blend the two. My, my absolute love and passion for numbers, as well as the planning aspect. I'm lucky enough to see my clients at least once a year. I usually talk to most of my clients once a month, periodically. So I have that benefit of knowing what's going on in their lives. I get to see them all the time. I get to talk to them all the time. I become very involved in their families. And for me, how I got into this arena was based on early on in my career, I had a same-sex couple come to me and they needed estate planning and they need their taxes done. And I started looking into it and I couldn't at the time get my naive little law school brain around the fact that They could not go to Spain and get married. Spain had just passed a same-sex marriage law, but I could. So why could I go and marry a man in Spain, but they couldn't go and marry each other in Spain? And it just didn't make sense to me. And I became more appalled, outraged, I don't know, at, at the injustice of it all. And you needed to learn to be creative. And it's been a lot of fun. So it's interesting because, Crystal, you've talked a little bit about the modern family with stepmom and siblings, half-siblings, and and all the different areas that we think about. But there's another piece of modern family. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because Janice is right that I think that there's that traditional quote-unquote modern family that we think about. And then there's now the new definition of what a modern family is too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the traditional family is really the married with children, you know, maybe 2.5 kids, you know, husband and wife. And the modern family has sort of morphed into everything except that. So that could mean a same-sex couple. That could mean a opposite-sex couple, but they have children from prior marriages. They've just decided not to get married. That could mean a single person with a child who has, you know, decided to have their own child into this world and don't need a partner to do that. There's so many definitions out there that what is a modern family? It's really everyone other than, you know, married with two kids together. Mm -hmm. It's really morphed. I mean, Janice, I'm sure, you know, you can also, there's so many different types of families we come across and working together. It's just, it's really grown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, as, and as we all know, you know, with the divorce rate being in excess of 50% of marriages, finding that mom, dad, and 2.5 kids is hard to do. Everybody has your, their own unique circumstances. I've had clients, I had a couple who were in their 80s come in and tell me they'd been married for 50 something years, raised a family, but she had adopted out a daughter when she was in high school. And her husband knew, but her kids didn't know yet. And this daughter found her on Facebook and she wanted to create a relationship with her and she wanted to include her in her planning. And what did that mean? You know, she she was not her legal heir any longer, but she still wanted to include her back. And she was so excited when I told her, well, you're a modern family. She's like, hell, hell, you hear that? We're the modern family. I know more, more than just that TV show. And actually the modern family is the what I would say now, the traditional family. It's the more frequent that you see. So I wanted to ask a question about this, though. When you're considering divorce, and let's say you are in a modern family, you have children of your own with your spouse, you may have stepchildren as well. What are some of the considerations that women should be thinking about to make sure that they're protecting themselves and that they're also protecting their kids? And I'd love to know both from a state perspective, but then also from a tax perspective too. So Krista, why don't you jump in and then we'll make sure that we have some time for Janice to jump in too. Yeah, certainly. So from a legal standpoint, there's obviously so many factors that go into that decision. I mean, first you have to decide if divorce is right for you, particularly from a mental standpoint, right? A lot of people, you know, it turns out that divorce ends up being the best thing that happened to the family because The parents ended up being best friends in the end because they weren't together in a relationship anymore. But from a legal standpoint, you want to make sure that, you know, you obviously want to hire a good matrimonial attorney, but also make sure you have all your documents in place because especially for families who are going through a divorce and after the divorce, the legal obligations that you may be entitled, maybe have to follow or the Legal support obligations that you must do are something that you have to account for now. And especially if there's minor children involved, you know, child support, if there's any sort of, you know, alimony or that type of payment, you want to make sure that you have estate planning documents in order. You want to make sure that you can provide for that child, that you have everything in place because you don't want to get in a situation financially or legally that you're not able to do what you need to do. So certainly it's important from a legal standpoint to not only talk to a matrimonial attorney, talk to an estate planning attorney. 
you know, maybe you need to update your will immediately. Maybe you should wait till after the divorce, but you want to make sure you have your beneficiary designations taken care of. There's small things that you need to start thinking about and getting in order before you end up going through the divorce. And, and certainly after the divorce, you definitely need to update those documents and get your estate plan in order, especially, mm-hmm. you know, also, and Janice can talk more on the tax side to make sure that financially, you know, everything is set up for your family, your children, and if you have stepchildren, if you want to provide for them. You know, a lot of people have started relationships and relationships change and and whatever the case may be, but the best thing you can do is set up a plan. And the worst Mm -hmm. thing you can do is nothing. So (laughs) you certainly want to make sure you talk to the right professionals and you get everything written down. Jess, I'd love for you to wait in. And Crystal, I love how you shared that just because your relationship with your spouse is ending, it doesn't mean that your relationship, obviously, with your children and stepchildren is ending and that you can provide for them. What are some considerations from the tax perspective, Janice, for a woman who has that situation? You know, I'd say from from the tax perspective, the most important thing is, is there's a list of things and they need to really be thought about during the divorce process. Because the worst thing you can do is wait till you go through the whole divorce process. It's a year later. Now you go to file your tax return and you've never discussed or negotiated some of the things you need to. And now try, you know, a year later, maybe there's more animosity, maybe there's less, but try negotiating something a year after the fact doesn't go well. You know, one of the hardest things to do, and and it really pertains to the modern family, is the unraveling of the assets. And you really need to be cognizant about tracing who brought what into the marriage, which is part of your divorce attorney's role. But it's not so easy when it comes to a modern family, because most modern family couples have been together maybe 40, 50 years, but only married for five years. They have unique circumstances. So how do you separate those out? Crystal can talk about we've done for clients cohabitation agreements, tenant in common agreements, post-nuptial agreements, things to think about. Another thing is to the Pride Act. A lot of people may have heard about for same-sex couples who were unable to marry for many years under the federal guidelines, but yet were able to marry in various states you know, such as uh, Connecticut or Vermont, Massachusetts, even in 2004. The Pride Act is proposing that those couples should be able to go back and amend their tax returns all the way back to when they were legally married. You know, it doesn't really count in New York because in New York, we had the right to get married in 2011. And then the federal government allowed everybody to get married in 2013. But all these other states, it's an issue. And it's something you, sh- you need to deal with in your documents. You just need to address it that if the opportunity becomes available to file amended returns, who files them? Who has to pay the cost of filing them? How are the refunds split if they're split? Again, nobody is angry over filing amended returns that may get you back money, but what you could end up fighting about is just the practicalities of how to get it filed. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to, in your divorce agreements, you should also deal with who is your CPA? Most couples continue to file joint for quite some time until they're actually divorced. And when you're married, you have no choice but to file a married return. It's married joint or married separate, but you have to have a filing status of married. And your returns are interrelated, whether you want them to be or not. So Mm -hmm. agree on who is your CPA? Who is going to file the last couple of final tax returns? Don't try to negotiate that after the fact. Yeah, so what I'm hearing definitely from 
the tax perspective, being really clear about when you're going to be filing your taxes during your divorce, where it most likely is joint or married filing separately, who that CPA is, how you deal with returns, any potential returns, who's going to pay for the fee, is that again, all joint. But then also after the fact of the divorce, making sure that you're talking about taxes then too of, yes, you're divorced and you're two separate returns now, but who's claiming the dependent for the children and making sure that that's been all spelled out. You know, I also love, and this is a big piece of what we look at too, is what individuals brought to the marriage. And not only in modern families, but, you know, we tend to get married later. And, you know, I I look at my husband, we just celebrated our 18th anniversary this last weekend, and we got married when I was 27, but we are not the norm anymore. That's extremely young, relatively. And you see quite a few individuals who are in their mid-30s, late 30s, early 40s, where they're bringing significant assets and sometimes along with that children. So understanding what you're bringing to the marriage and so that you know what you can walk away out of your marriage with separate property. Now, Janice, I'm going to bring that to you because it's not as easy as that, right? It's not just looking at the date that you got married in my 401k, it was 50,000 and now it's worth 200,000. There's a lot of things you have to think about. So can you talk a little bit about some of those implications. It's just not taking 200 minus 50,000. I know it's a little more complicated. There are a lot of things to think about. Like you said, you know, inheritance are, are not considered marital property. Some things are separate. Some things are marital. And what the layperson thinks of as marital versus separate is not always what the law says it is. So sometimes having some sort of clarity as to, you know, inheritances, if you keep them separate, your entire marriage, you can keep them outside the marriage. I think a lot of it is having an expectation when you're going into the marriage. Like I said, we do a lot of cohabitation agreements, post-nups, pre-nups need to be done just to address what is whose and how it gets divided. How do you live off of the income? How do you decide what the scheme is going to be? And we've done different variations. I work with Crystal on a few of these that uh, these can be anything you want them to be as long as you meet with somebody and have these discussions. The ideal time to have these discussions when life is wonderful, before you get married, or, you know, we have a half a dozen clients who call us up and say, you know, my daughter's buying an apartment with her boyfriend in the city. You know, they both make a lot of money. They may or may not get married one day. They think they will, but they're buying a $5 million apartment. They're just going to split the cost 50-50. All good, right? And we go, no, no, not all good. <laughs> you know. Yeah. My favorite story to tell is what happens now, nobody wants to talk about divorce. You're together for 10 years. Everything's wonderful. He has a sudden heart attack in the middle of the night and dies. Now his mother shows up with Iowa, from Iowa with her bags packed and moves into your $5 million co-op and says, I always wanted a place in New York City. She can if you didn't properly plan. And you'll see as most divorced couples, and I find most divorced women, a lot of them don't remarry. They're very happy with their lives post-divorce. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need marriage any longer. Yeah. We as women, we tend to stay single. And men, although they tend to remarry very quickly. Crystal, I have, a, I have a question. So this is a huge question. Do you update your estate documents during your divorce or do you wait till after? And 
I feel like you can go both ways on this, but my concern is that at least a lot of the divorces we work on, it's not over in a year. In fact, not to scare anyone, but we've had a few cases where it's been seven years. That's not the norm, but you know, you have seven years of exposure of having your estate planning documents be vastly outdated. So what should she be doing during her divorce, if anything, with her estate planning? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot, actually. And my answer is always, it depends, right? It depends on your situation and what you want to do for that time being, because you're right, it could be six months, it could be a year, it could be seven years, and you do have so much exposure there. And, you know, we have clients that say, well, right now, you know, the divorce is amicable. It's okay if he gets a little something, you know, if I were to pass away. But then two years pass, three years pass, he gets a girlfriend and now he's moving out of town and it's, you know, long distance with the kids and things are getting resentful and it's dragging on. And then you wish you would have done something. So certainly, you know, from a legal standpoint, you that person has an absolute right to change their documents now before the divorce is final. But I do always tell clients that while you absolutely have the right to do that until that divorce is legally finalized, you are technically still married in the eyes of the law and that your future ex-spouse has something called a right of election. So they have the option to force their estate to pay out a certain percentage, I believe it's one third of your estate over to them because they are entitled to that as being a legal spouse at the time of your death. But that is something that's an elective proceeding, right? Like they don't automatically get that amount at death. They actually have to go out and find an attorney and hire them and file a lawsuit and be prepared because sometimes the money that's coming from is coming out of the kids' pockets. So do they really want to do that? It's all dependent on the situation, but it's never a bad idea to update your documents now and then revisit it again after the divorce to make sure that, okay, is there anything in the settlement agreement or the divorce decree that we need to specifically change that, you know, happened over these last few years during the transition process? Or are your documents fine now because you've already provided for that type of contingency? So it's certainly worth looking at in the immediate run and then see if you need to adjust it after the fact. But if you if you decide not to do it now, you have that exposure, you have that risk. But certainly once a divorce is final, you definitely want to do it. Even though there are laws, especially as New York, but each state is different that once you're divorced, your ex-spouse is automatically revoked as a beneficiary on certain assets, but you don't want to leave it up to the law and that doesn't always close the loop on things. So, you know, you really want to make sure when the divorce is finalized, close that door, close the loop, cross your T's, dot your I's and just get it all done. Yeah. And especially have one thing too, just go ahead. You want to make sure you have the right professionals doing the right jobs. You know, you have your financial advisor, you have your state planning attorney, you have your divorce attorney, you have your accountant. They should only do their roles. (laughs) We've seen too many divorce attorneys redo somebody's estate planning. It's a horrific mess. And we've seen estate planners think, oh, it's an amicable divorce. I can do it. Absolutely not. Make sure you have the right professionals. We had one estate we both worked on together for a client. It wasn't a huge estate. It was three and a half, four million million, which 20 years ago was a lot of money. 
but there was two ex-spouses. There was life insurance in an ex-spouse's name. There was property home in Franson, somewhere else. And they were in the middle of a divorce and the divorce attorney redid the current will. She set up life estates for property that was held jointly, which made no sense. She named herself the trustee and the client didn't know better. He trusted this person as a divorce attorney. And I don't think there was any ill intent, but Mm -hmm. make sure you're, you're dealing with the right experts in the right arenas. (laughs) Yeah. I have to say, I love the saying, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. That's not who you want to work. I will tell you, and I'm just going to show you a little bit of a bias I have, but when I see an attorney and they're a real estate attorney, an estate planning attorney, a matrimonial attorney, and a commercial law attorney, and I see that after their name, and it's just them in the practice. It's not like there's other professionals. It scares me. And you're right that you want to go to the right people because ultimately who this is going to hurt is it's going to hurt the people you love. It's going to hurt your kids and the people that are part of your family and and no one wants that. I'd love to hear from both of you how our listeners can contact you just to get more information. And I think that Crystal, you said it so eloquently that the planning that you need to do, it's different for everyone and it kind of just depends. And that's so true with the estate planning and the tax piece. So Can our listeners call you just to bounce off a few ideas to see, should they update their state planning? And also, Janice, I'd love for you to weigh in too, because I know you have a lot of expertise, particularly in that area too. So Crystal, how can our listeners reach out to you? Yeah, I'm reachable, certainly for questions anybody has. I'm I'm always open to hearing first, you know, what are you looking to do before we can actually decide that, you know, we're a good fit, that I can help you with something that we have a goal that we can work towards. So if you do have questions, you do want to contact me. I'm reachable by email or phone. Obviously right now in the pandemic, the email is constant on my phone. So if you send me something, I promise you I'll I'll see it probably sooner than a phone call. But (laughs) my email address is uh, my first name dot last name. So crystal.levy at lclawllp.com. And, you know, it's always helpful to just uh, shoot me an email and we can schedule a time to talk and go over whatever questions, concerns you have. Great. And Janice, can you share your contact information? Absolutely. Like Crystal said, we're very passionate about what we do. We work together a lot. We love working with families. We love meeting new people. And, you know, anybody who wants to reach out just has a follow-up question, please feel free to. You can email me as well anytime, which is J-A-N-I-S dot C-O-W-H-E-Y at M-A-R-C-U-M-L-L-P dot com. Or you can try my phone, 212-485-5660, and we get our uh, phone calls forwarded to our email. So we will respond promptly. Very savvy. Well, thank you so much, I also want to mention our law firm and Markham have a joint partnership. We do a monthly webinar. Janice is on it very frequently. I'm actually speaking in a couple of weeks, but, um, and then also my colleague, Stephanie, speaks very often on it. But everyone is welcome to look on there and check out our previous topics or our future topics. But it's always somewhere based around estate planning and it's in conjunction with Janice and Markham. So, you know, it's always another resource that if anybody just wants to get a little tad bit of that to, to check out. So I'll make sure to give you the link for that, Stacey. Great. Thank you. So what we will do, all of our listeners, 
We will have both Crystal and Janice's contact information in our show notes. And then also we're going to have a link to their monthly webinar series so that you can start to get even more educated about all topics estate planning. Thank you so much to the both of you for being here. We so appreciate talking about the modern family and divorce and how we can protect ourselves and protect our family. Thank you for being here. Oh, it was a pleasure, Stacey. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Janice and Crystal gave us so much good information to chew on today. I feel like this podcast could have been twice the length and we still wouldn't have gotten through everything. But what I want to leave you with is this one piece of information that of anything that you walk away with, you should keep in the back of your mind. What you need to do for your estate plan, for what you need to do for your income taxes is exactly what Crystal said. It really depends on the circumstance. So make sure that you put that team of professionals in place that Janice recommends. A team of professionals that each have their own expertise and can guide you and make sure that you're making the best decisions. So whether that's a accountant, a CPA, an estate planning attorney, a financial professional, matrimonial attorney, and of course, a therapist, because life is hard enough, let alone going through a transition like a separation or a divorce. That is my biggest advice. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After, and it shows that you care about yourself and you are committed to having a secure financial future. It's important because unfortunately, the largest segment of women over age 65 that are living below the poverty line are women that have been divorced and yet are single. No woman deserves to struggle financially. So please do reach out to Francis Financial, myself as well, to help us walk through the questions you might have and start to formulate some answers. We have a full free consultation process And I know, if anything, it's going to give you a lot of peace of mind, and it's going to give you much more information to make good and sound financial decisions during and after this process. So you can reach out to us at our phone number at the office, 212-374-9008, or you can reach me, Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll be seeing you in two weeks with the next installment of Financially Ever After.